Let's open our Bibles right where we were, 1 John chapter 2. And after our message, we're going to have baptisms. And then after baptism, we're going to all come to the Lord's table. 1 John chapter 2. Verses 12 through 14. So before I read these, these uh, three verses to you, these short three verses, depending on what translation of the Bible you have, it may look like this is like a song. Um, it's written maybe a little bit different. It's structured a little bit differently in your Bible. And that's because verses 12 through 14 of 1 John 2 were possibly lines from a song or a creed that would have been recited by the early church in worship. And just as we use songs and creeds today, these were part of worship to teach and to instill God's truth in the hearts of the believers, especially children. This is why we say the Apostles' Creed every week. We believe in the Holy Catholic, the universal church, the church past, present, and future. That doesn't speak to a specific denomination, the Roman Catholic Church. This speaks to the church across the ages. And we recite this creed, and this creed, when we recite it, we are confessing to God, to one another, to powers and to principalities what we believe. It's very powerful. Church has been turned into a spectator sport in which we just come and people sit and watch and listen, and it's like being at a concert or a self-help motivational seminar, and it should not be that way. This is why we recite the creed. This is why we recite prayers and have you respond, because you are offering your worship to God. You are confessing your prayers before God. You are confessing your faith before God. You are making known Philippians 3 says, uh, uh, to powers and to principalities, or Ephesians 3, making known to powers and principalities these things that we believe. It's spiritual warfare that we are conducting from earth to heaven, into the heavenlies. And so, very likely, these were lines from a creed or from a song that was used by the early church to teach these truths about who we are as children of God. So let's read these three verses. 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for the, His name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known Him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. So John writes to little children, fathers, and young men. And he is writing these things, and he is reminding them 
that they are to know who they are and they are to know what they have in Christ. I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his namesake. Little children is the same term of endearment that John used back at the beginning of this chapter when he addressed the little children. And he wasn't just talking about young in age. He was affectionately using that term, talking to the disciples, talking to the believers, regardless of their age. It is a term that refers to children in relation to a family. So this term that's used, technion, is a term for children, and it's specifically used when we're talking about children in relation to a family. And when John uses this phrase, he is letting the believers know that they are part of the family, of God's family. They're God's little children. And these little children are the spiritual children of the Apostle Paul, but they are also the children of God. The term indicates the family relationship of these beloved children. Your translation may say beloved children or dear children instead of little children. It's a, it's a term of endearment. It means beloved. And so John is writing to these beloved little children, these children of God. And they are in relationship as family to God, to the apostle, and to one another. This is a major theme of John's letter here, that we don't just love God, we are to love one another. Because why? Because we are children of God. We are the family of God. And John is reminding these believers of the forgiveness, the redemption they have received in Christ for his namesake, for Christ's namesake, as adopted children in the family of God. This is how we became adopted by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 13, I write to you fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. John is writing to the fathers who are elders by age of years, no doubt, perhaps also by calling, who have known Christ who is from the beginning. These are fathers in the faith. So he's addressing now the fathers and then he says, I write to you young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. John is writing to young men who have become children of God through the preaching of the gospel and the work of making disciples. These young men are likely the spiritual offspring of the fathers that he just addressed. These young men who have known him who is from the beginning, these fathers who have known him who is from the beginning. And these young men are the subsequent generation that has received the gospel from those fathers John spoke of. In faith, they have overcome the wicked one. It's important that we pay attention to what John is telling the believers here. And then again, he writes, little children, I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. Now the word here for child is a different word. It's the Greek word pedion. It is a term that refers to a child in infancy up to about seven years of age. 
This is the same word Jesus uses in the Gospels when he says, suffer the little children to come unto me. John is reminding them here that they are beloved little children who know God and are known by God. This is in stark contrast to what Jesus told the Pharisees. John is reminding these little children that they have known the Father. They know the Father. Jesus, in his discourse with the Pharisees, recorded in John 8, 42, Jesus said to the Pharisees, If God were your Father, you would love me. And he goes on and he basically tells them, You are not children of God. God is not your Father. Jesus told the Pharisees that God was not their father because they did not love him. In fact, they rejected him. They did not know the father because they did not know the son. John writes to these little children and says, you have known the father. Why? Because they know the son. Because they have embraced the son. Because they have life in the son. Here, in this letter, John writes to the believers and refers to them as dear or little children who know the Father. This is true because these believers know and love the Son who first loved them. How do you love God? Only because He first loved you. You could not, you cannot possibly love Him until He puts His love in you. This is exactly what John writes, and we know we love him because he first loved us. We'll recite that verse in just a moment as we baptize the children. Verse 14, our last verse. I have written to you fathers. Again, he dresses the fathers. I have written to you young men. I have written to you fathers. Because you have known him who is from the beginning. The tense changes it changes in these verses, in, these last, in this last section here. The tense changes in verse 14 from the present tense of I write to you to the past tense of I have written to you. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. John is affirming and reaffirming these men as spiritual fathers and stating I have written he may be referencing the earlier gospel account bearing his name. He is reminding them that what he has written already and what he is writing to them now is one message. So you can go to the gospel of John and you will see that the gospel of John does not give a different message than what 1 John is giving us. And they no doubt had that gospel account when they receive this letter from John. And John is reminding them that I am not writing to you something different. I absolutely believe that this is what he's referring to because we just studied last week as we went through this when John says a new commandment. I don't have a new commandment. And then he says a new commandment I give to you. What's the commandment? Love God and love your neighbor. In, in John 13, 34, Jesus said to his disciples in the Gospel of John, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, so you are to love one another. And that new commandment John references in his letter here is no doubt referring back to the Gospel and the new commandment Jesus gave. And this is exactly what John is referring to here. 
I have written to you. And then he says to the young men again, I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Again, John is encouraging the young men. He is reminding them of their strength in the Lord through the Holy Spirit and the word of God that's abiding in them. Through the Spirit and the Word abiding in these young men, they have overcome the wicked one, John declares. He reminds them that there is no reason to fear. The greater one is dwelling in them. You know, when you have an old man who's lived a long and a full life, death is not as scary as it might perhaps be to a young man who looks and sees his whole life before him. And those fathers, those elders might not have been too fearful of the persecution that would come and take their life. But these young men were something different. Perhaps they were fathers who had children, husbands who had wives hoping to have children. And now following Jesus, the prospect is that they could, through persecution, lose their life. And what is John reminding them? You are strong in the Lord. You have overcome the wicked one. Remember the words of Jesus who said, don't fear those who have power to kill your body, but fear him who has power to cast your soul into hell. John is reminding these young men to be strong in the faith that they have indeed overcome the wicked one. He has no power over their life. God holds their life, their eternal life, in his hand. And he reminds them there is no reason to fear, for the greater one dwells in them. We see John addressing the whole church from the youngest to the oldest. His encouragement to all of them in covenant with God and with one another was to know their sins were forgiven, to know that they know him and that they are in him. Those are the preceding verses before this section we just read. To know that they know him, to know that they abide in him, to know that they stand strong in the faith and continue to grow in the love of God, knowing that they have overcome the wicked one. This is the faith we celebrate. This is the faith for which we give thanks each week when we come to the table. This is the faith those being baptized today are being baptized into. And we're going to get ready now and prepare for baptism. So what we're going to do is we're going to baptize all of the children first. And then those Older children and adults who will be immersed will baptize you after we do the smaller children. Um, our Sunday school lesson today was fantastic, uh, it, as it always is. And I did not know that it was actually going to be about baptism. It was actually supposed to be our lesson last week, but we, we had a change in schedule. So just by chance, you know I don't believe in chance, right? It was about baptism today, and it was so wonderful. Uh, It really was about union with Christ. And one of the things, as I was listening to this, 
uh, to Dr. Ferguson, I thought about all the, all the children today who have identity issues. And one of the things that Dr. Ferguson said was baptism is a naming ceremony. Baptism identifies us. And I thought if more children were dedicated to Christ in baptism and they were taught what their baptism actually means, I think we would have far fewer children who are having identity crisis to the point now that children don't even know what gender they are because biology doesn't matter, plumbing doesn't matter. It's, it's all what's up here. It's what you want. It's what you believe. It's what you think, which goes completely contrary to the Word of God. And what we're doing today is we are having these baptisms. We're having a naming ceremony. We are identifying from the youngest we will baptize to the oldest we are baptized. We are, we are identifying them with Jesus Christ. And they are to grow up in every sense of the word, spiritually, naturally, physically. They are to grow up. And there is a responsibility that parents have. There is a responsibility that pastors have. There is a responsibility that all of us have. And I'll remind you of that when I charge you today during these baptisms. There is a responsibility we have that these grow up understanding what their baptism means. And they're to learn that and be taught that daily. So... Out of our identity, our identity informs us how to live. And when we're baptized into Christ, we are to live, to walk as Christ walked. Amen.